to the Hotter Than Health podcast, a plant-dominant podcast for those looking to expand and elevate their lives. Each week, we will bring you provocative conversations and topics, entertaining interviews, and some of the biggest names in health and wellness to answer your burning questions. You will leave each episode with tangible tips and takeaways and understand what it truly means to live an energized and optimized life. Yeah, and oftentimes arguments within couples is not the actual context of the argument. It's typically the cycle of the argument. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. Ooh, do we have a good one for you today. And before we introduce our guest for this episode, a couple little announcements. I spoke on the last episode. It was a solo episode. It was a solo episode. And we discussed uh, water retention, the best workouts for lean muscle. We went through uh, like getting swole after a workout, how to stay mindful. And we also, I don't even remember what we talked about. We talked about a bunch of things and it was a hot episode. And based on downloads, you guys really liked it. So if you want more of that, let me know. I will literally not know any other way except for just numbers, which is great. But I want to know if you guys are consistent listeners. Uh, Quick homework assignment for all before we dive into it. If you have not gone on to Spotify or on to iTunes or the podcast app, the purple one, and hit follow or subscribe, please make sure you do so, especially for the month of May. I promise you it is going to be more important than ever in the month of May to hit subscribe. It means the world and it truly does help with engagement and it helps me track. It helps me to see where the podcast is landing and then you all know my goal is to pitch to a network eventually once I get numbers to a certain point because a lot of networks, they won't even look at you until you have X amount of XYZ. And that's really what we're looking for, especially for the month of May. So if you haven't done so already, or if you need help doing that, send me a message. You're like, hey, I want to support it, but I don't really know how. I will send you a direct link. I- I'm not above doing any of that. I went up to a woman at the gas station the other day. I said, hey, excuse me. And she said, oh, I don't have any money. I was like, I'm not asking for your money. I'm actually filling up my Prius. But I asked her, I said, hey, do you listen to podcasts? Would you mind checking out Hotter Than Health and subscribing? I don't know if she did. If she listens to this episode, hey girl, thank you so much. I hope you told your friends. She's like, that girl was fucking nuts. And uh, I didn't even introduce myself. I just said, hi, I have a podcast, Hotter Than Health. So she probably just thinks that I'm this walking, talking freak leak that goes around pimping out other people's podcasts. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. I'm my own publicist. So if you'd like to support, make sure you subscribe, follow, do whatever you can. It is all helpful. And with that, we will read the review of the week. You know that if you are listening and your review is read, then you are entered in to win a, well, you will win a tote bag. Um, they're these badass hotter than health totes. And I use them at the farmer's market. I use them with my laptop. I use it to the grocery store, Trader Joe's, wherever. All right. 
This review is five stars on iTunes. I'm obsessed with the host. Eliza G is the most amazing podcast host ever. So many great guests to discuss hormone health, supplements, and plant-based information. Well, maybe a tie with Dr. Phil. Hell yeah. Highly recommend to any and all health and fitness and self-help enthusiasts. Oh, thank you so much for this. And I, <laughs> I can't even lie to you guys. This is from my boyfriend, Jake. I said, listen, bitch, you have not written a review. And so he went in. I pulled it up on his phone. Thanks for all your support. And he wrote it out. And here it is. He will not be using a tote bag. But that just means that I have an extra tote for someone to uh, win next week. If you want to win a sick tote bag, and I will send it to you with some other little swag bags and goodies, maybe some Organifi stuff, then make sure you have written a review. Capiche? All right. I am so pumped for today's episode. I spoke with Morgan. She's a friend of mine. And I said, we've got to talk about attachment styles. In the past two weeks, I have had two different people reach out to me talking about their relationships, one with a friend and another with their girlfriend at the time. And they were like, what is going on with this? They felt that they were being pushed away, they were being love bombed, and then they were being pushed away. And then in another situation, they felt like they couldn't talk to their friend because every time they spoke to them, they just got so offended. And they were like, what is going on here? And so we had an entire podcast episode about attachment theories. Now, if you don't know much about attachment theories, we're going to get into it fully on this episode. But uh, a book came out a number of years ago called Attached, and it swept the nation. It has become such a resource for people who are in relationships or friendships or in relationships at work, whatever it may be. It just really teaches you a lot about yourself and about other people and about their attachment styles. So it, I I liken it to love languages or an Enneagram, getting to know a little bit more about yourself. So if you're one of those people who likes watching or taking quizzes online, you're going to listen to this episode and you're going to be able to put yourself into a category. Obviously, everyone is a little bit of everything. Nobody is exactly one thing or the other. Some people actually are. But you can. what I think is great about attachment theory is that you can get out of it. You can change yours, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the not so good. But again, we're always evolving as humans. So I do think that you can put into practice a lot of techniques and tools that will help you get out of a certain attachment style that might not be beneficial to you. I know there have been periods of time where I've been in extremely uh, anxious attachment styles, always feeling like I'm not safe in a relationship. And that could be a friendship. It could just be super anxious and those are not pleasant to be in. So if that's something that you have struggled with, or if you're in a relationship and someone's super avoidant, this is for you. And it kind of goes into why that might be the case. Morgan is just an absolute dream. She has been on the podcast two other times. This one, I will say, has better audio quality. Y'all will be pumped about that, I promise you. But a little bit about Morgan. So she has a BA in psychology, an MED in counselor education, and a professional counseling licensure in the state of South Carolina. She uses her therapeutic work, weaving together a unique therapeutic approach, infusing sessions with practices to assist you in developing compassion, mindfulness, and emotional intelligence and coping skills. She is not currently taking clients, but 
but if you go to her well, uh, her website, Welcoming Wellness, they are taking clients. A couple of her other uh, colleagues are taking clients in the Charleston area, and I believe they also do virtual. Don't quote me on that, but I'm so excited because Morgan, it just carries herself in such a graceful way, and she has done the work herself. We always want to know, and and Morgan is around my age. She's 34 and she has walked the walk. She's been through a lot. And this is the first time we actually hear about Morgan's story. And she's always been really great about connecting it back to the audience and going through anecdotal evidence from her clients. But this is a time when she actually says, look, I was in one attachment style and it was miserable and I was really traumatized by a past relationship and she worked her way out of it into where she is right now. And y'all, not only will you adore the content, but you'll love her voice. It's like sultry and calming and feminine and moody and just you could listen to her all day. Without further ado, I am so excited to bring to you Morgan Benz of Welcoming Wellness. Welcome to the Hotter Than Health podcast. When we're thinking about attachment styles, can you explain what is an attachment style? Do we all have one? How do we know what we are? What are they? Yeah. Like, There's so much to know behind attachment oh my styles. Goodness, so much to know. I think this is such, uh, you're right, Eliza, just like such a hot topic. I think... Um, we all certainly should be aware of our attachment styles if we have the resources to mm-hmm. um, and explore them. I think they're just vital to our being and how we behave and interact and respond mm-hmm. to other people. Um, so typically, attachment styles are formed at infancy, mm. b- essentially based on how our caregivers were responding to us as children and responding to our needs. Um but they can also be shaped and formed based on other significant relationships in our lives. So there's just um, a lot of different ways they can be formed, but you know, the main one is infancy, but that's not how we're stuck, right? They can be shape-shifted and formed based on other relationships. Um, So there's four different attachment styles. So there's obviously secure, which is um, the ability to just have secure relationships with people. so they can, individuals can trust themselves and they can also trust their significant other. Um, they have relative ease in their relationships and they're able to depend on other people without being totally dependent on that person as well. Mm-hmm. Would you also consider secure relationship attachment styles? Would you consider them to be the type of people who are, they recognize red flags and they're like, nope, I'm fine without doing that. And they don't, yes, they're not attracted to them. Absolutely. So securely attached people know their needs, they know their boundaries and they're able to be really assertive about those things. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're very aware of just like you're saying those red flags. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So typically securely attached people seek out other securely attached people. Ah, that must be nice. Yeah. (laughs) Which makes things so wonderful in a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so then there's also anxious attachment style. So this is an insecure attachment style and this is a, it's marked by a very, very deep fear of being abandoned. Mm. Um, anxiously attached people really tend to be very insecure about their relationships, often worrying that their partner is going to leave them. Um, so sometimes they can be very needy or clingy and get very anxious when like your partner doesn't text back or respond to you or share where they are, what they're doing, um, and constantly feeling like that person doesn't care about you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that is, um, certainly an uncomfortable space to be existing in. 
And it's, you mentioned this before we started recording that, because I've seen friends start as what I think is secure and then based on that relationship end up being super insecure and then they're jaded. Okay. So we'll talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, we can go there. I think that's definitely something that we forget that these relationships that we have been in, particularly at, you know, age 30, 35, 40, we all show up with baggage, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. we have been through experiences. We've all been through relationships. So those relationships have have shifted us and and formed us and the way we attach to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, if there has been, um, you know, maybe a breach of trust or um, some inconsistencies in a, in a previous relationship. Yeah. That can certainly bleed over into the next. Inconsistencies is a really good word. Cause we were just talking about that. It's, you don't realize how much of a luxury it can be to have someone in your life who is consistent yeah. and it might not always be, you know, 10 out of 10 perfect, but they are there. Mm-hmm. They show up, you know what you're getting with them. So I think that's also good to know because you can start being insecure, but then end secure based on the person you're with. Certainly. You know, certainly. And I think, you know, that leads to a desire for safety, right? In a relationship, not Mm -hmm. only physical safety, but emotional safety and consistency can provide emotional safety for us. Sure. Especially when you had a, if you had a volatile childhood, Mm -hmm. maybe you move and, and this is not to say you had to have a bad childhood. It's just things were up and down maybe you moved a lot Mm -hmm. or you saw a lot of relationships happening um is that what you normally see like what what are some things that you see in anxious attachment styles that what are some common trends so it can be something as simple as like a parent not being emotionally available because they work too much right it doesn't have to be abuse or neglect obviously um a parent not being available for one's emotional need is some neglect there right yeah but it can be just like you're saying an individual moving a lot or inconsistencies in um parents staying together like a parental divorce um abuse in terms of physical abuse right so uh a mother who might be narcissistic or a father who might be narcissistic and um maybe making a child responsible for their emotions Mm. so there's a lot of different ways that anxious attachment style can form but the basic foundation is that the child's needs are not being met and that they are not um, receiving the care and receiving the uh, emotional comfort that they need and Mm -hmm. desire as a child because that's what we're born into into this world with uh, the basic need to be safe of course Mm -hmm. and it's a fundamental it's I mean I feel like it's a right in relationships you deserve this yes that's such a great way to put it Alice and then you Also, it reminds me that you're able to, you're able to, when you're in a secure, at least relationship, you're able to see on the outside, okay, if this person is in an insecure relationship, they might be seeking external validation so often. Absolutely. So what, what, okay, actually let's go back to that. Okay. What are the other two forms? (laughs) What are the other two attachment styles? So the last two that we have, um, are avoidant attachment style. So this is also obviously, um, a form of insecure attachment and this is marked by a fear of intimacy. 
So people with avoidant attachment style tend to have trouble getting really close to each other um, or trusting others in relationships and relationships can make them feel very suffocated. And they typically maintain quite a bit of distance between their partners. Um, Sometimes they can feel very unavailable Mm. in relationships or prefer to be independent um, and typically very much rely on themselves. Mm -hmm. So that can be really difficult for the other partner in the relationship, right? Sure. I think and of I think of people in avoidant attachment styles as wild horses <laughs> because they're so beautiful, you want to get to know them and they're smart. Yeah. But they if you move really slowly and you have secure energy around them, they're more likely to stick around. Mm-hmm but slightly unpredictable. Sure. Slightly unpredictable. Yeah, there's quite a bit of mystery around them, huh? That's actually a really good way Mm -hmm. to put it. Mystery. Let's say mystery. (laughs) And And then what's the fourth? Yeah, the last one is fearful avoidant. So this is actually a combination of both anxious and avoidant attachment styles. Um, So people with fearful avoidant typically crave affection and also want to avoid it at all costs. So quite a dichotomy. Um, They're reluctant to develop a close romantic relationship, yet at the same time, they have a dire need to feel loved by others. And oftentimes these individuals have been um, raised under some sort of traumatic circumstance Mm. or um, severe abuse or neglect. Okay. I actually hadn't heard about that one. Mm -hmm. I knew there were four. Or for some reason, I thought there were four, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize that fearful atta- uh, avoidant. Okay. And before we go into a little more detail in that, yeah. can you paint a picture for what each person would look like? So, okay, we're sure. in Charleston. Uh, let's start with secure. Give them a name. What are they doing? How are they acting when they go out? And maybe how are they acting if they're in a relationship? So yeah. a secure person. Okay. So a secure person... Um, is very in tune with themselves, right? So they mm-hmm. know their needs. Um, they are independent, but also are still relying on each other, other individuals, whether that's friends, other relationships, um, but they're not totally dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, this person is able to sort of like communicate what their needs are, be receptive to the other person's needs without getting defensive. Okay. That's Um, a good one. Yeah. They're capable of trusting the other individual to go do things, experience life, adventure without them, but also has desire to exist in spaces with them and and live in their relationship and their world together. Yeah. So there's a, not only trusting of self, but huge trust of the other person and individual. Because why wouldn't they? Right. You know, it's, but then once they become once that person dishonors them or trust is breached, then they, are they easy to come back to it? Are they like, absolutely not. Fuck no. I know my boundaries. I'm not into this. I guess it's all based on the situation. Yeah, certainly based on the situation, but I think, um, communication probably is biggest thing for secure, attachment styles because they're capable of communicating what their needs are and Mm -hmm. also capable of listening to what the other individual's needs are and also um, know and understand what their boundaries are and also know and understand how to give and love the other person as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. Knowing how to, knowing how, what feelings you're having, how to observe them and then how Mm -hmm. to communicate that to the other person. That's huge. And knowing their worthiness. Mm. Securely attached people really, really understand um, what their worthiness level is, which should be really high and also have good self-esteem. We like these people. Yeah. This is good people. Yeah, this is what we are all striving for. Mm -hmm. And okay, what about anxious people? So Mm. paint a picture. They're out 
let's say, okay, I want to give you a scenario. Okay. So for an anxious person, they are 28, 29. They're out at like a wine bar. They're doing things with girls, whatever. And then they, this is a girl having some wine with friends, <laughs> but then only two or three friends are left at the end of the night and they start talking to a group of guys and the guy gets her number and they've hit it off. They're having a great time. And he's like, hey, let me get your number. I'll text you. He doesn't text her. Okay, so the past couple of weeks, I have been really doing my best to reduce the amount of sugar that I've been intaking. And often I'm not consuming a lot uh, on a daily basis, but when it comes to maybe adding oat milk to my coffee or when it comes to dessert after dinner, Jake has such a sweet tooth that I just kind of get (laughs) sucked into that routine. And it started with just a few squares of dark chocolate and then it led into maybe like some vegan ice cream and it just has been snowballing. And then after Easter and after a couple of weddings, I have been feeling incredibly inflamed and I'm super, super sensitive to sugar. I always have been my entire life and I made a commitment that I wasn't going to just get rid of my dessert or my little sweet treat at the end of the night. So instead of having a regular dessert or my normal Trader Joe's dessert, I have been using Organifi's chocolate gold. Okay, so the chocolate gold is actually an adaptogenic mushroom elixir with cacao, and it is incredible. It has this creamy, coconutty, chocolatey flavor. It's basically a healthy hot chocolate that you have at night. And sometimes I'll even add it into my coffee in the morning. It's not something that makes you fall asleep. It's something that helps to ground you and wind down. So cacao and coconut and the reishi mushrooms and all of the other medicinal mushrooms and properties that are added into the the chocolate gold, they are really great for grounding you. So after a long day or after a really savory meal and you still want to just kind of wind down for the night, the healthy hot chocolate has been my go-to. I'll do it with water. Sometimes I'll do it with a little bit of almond milk and it's got no sugar. It has so many added benefits as an elixir and cacao again has its own benefits with antioxidants and we all know that Organifi sources all of their ingredients and does all of their due diligence when it comes to finding the best ingredients, making sure that they are processed in a healthful environment. There's no cross-contamination. I'm just so pleased to have found this as a quick little dessert at the end of the night. And I know you all will love it. Make sure you're checking out Organifi.com. As a show sponsor, they are giving Hotter Than Health listeners 20% off of your first purchase. My favorites are the greens powder, the protein, which I actually just used five minutes ago, and the chocolate gold. Check it out on my favorites page. You can go to the description for this episode and use that link or head to Organifi.com and use the code HTH for 20% off. These are high quality products from a high quality company. Trust them, love them, and use 20% off and check out the chocolate gold. I can't wait to see how you like it. Let me know. Tag me in your social medias when you try it. Oh my God, you're absolutely going to love it. (laughs) 
how is how is that's that playing okay. out? It's that's obviously okay. it's totally okay, but rejection is appropriate. Yes. And healthy, so but yes, with different attachment styles, how would an insecure attachment style maybe react as opposed to a secure? Um, I think a secure individual would respond with, okay, I have healed. I have done my work to understand that rejection is okay, appropriate, and I am okay. Mm-hmm. Um, an anxious attachment style would very much be disappointed in the lack of validation from this person. Oh, okay. So I am not worthy enough of them reaching out to me. I did something wrong. Um, maybe I go search for them on Instagram mm-hmm. and send them a message. Like um, comparison. Yeah, exactly. So maybe this person like didn't see enough in me. So very anxious about the situation. Whereas secure attachment, their self-esteem is high. They're healed. They, they would say, fuck it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like cool. Life goes on. It's okay. I like that. Yeah. And then talking about avoidance. Yeah. Okay. Can you break down the differences in how a person with, did we say that it was anxious avoidant and fear avoidant? So what were they? It's avoidant and then fearful avoidant. Oh, okay. Okay. Attachment okay. style. Okay. So paint me a picture of both of those. Sure. Like what would, what would a relationship with a avoidant person look like and what would a relationship look like with a fearful avoidant person? So avoidant attachment styles typically don't exist in relationships or healthy relationship. Well, fearful yeah. avoidant or regular avoidant? Uh, both. But okay. in terms of avoidant attachment style, um, they have trouble essentially getting close to others mm. and trusting others, right? So that's really difficult to maintain a relationship. They, they simply have no desire to because they feel suffocated. Um, by their relationship. So they typically maintain a lot of distance with their partners. So maybe there, obviously there are so many people that tolerate that, right. Mm -hmm. And that are okay with that. But this person um, is typically not emotionally available. Okay. So they're not even available enough to be in a relationship until they get a little more secure. Uh, I wouldn't even go that far. They can exist in relationships. So let me just correct myself. They can exist in relationships, of course. Um, not healthy ones, not a relationship that a secure individual would probably be a part of. So typically anxious people end up with avoidant exactly. people. Love that for exactly. them. Mm-hmm. Let me talk about that for, sure. I'm sorry, not let me talk about that. Let no. me let you talk no, about go that. go for it. When I picture, I picture this person who is insecure and you're, <laughs> no, you're fine. Drink all the water you <laughs> want. Glug, glug. When an insecure person is in an, a, a relationship with a avoidant person mm. it might seem like because I feel like I've been on a, a edge of that before sure. and it's definitely it always evolves once you recognize it but it would it could be that you're almost getting the validation that you're thinking in your thoughts from that person because they're not validating you at all and you just want to like cr- crawl and keep clawing at that because maybe that's what you're used to by feeling like oh I'm never good enough but they keep making me feel this familiar feeling. Oh my goodness. Is that right? Yes. So oftentimes individuals with anxious attachment styles sort of feel like they are like a rat running on a wheel, right? So constantly clawing for attention, constantly clawing for validation, particularly if you're in a relationship with someone who's an avoidant attachment style, because are you ever going to get that? No. No, because that individual is isn't capable of giving that to you, Mm. isn't in a space where they're capable. It doesn't mean that they won't ever be there. Mm -hmm. My hope for them is that they will, but uh, you don't seem hopeful. No, I mean, they can, 
attachment styles a hundred percent can change mm-hmm. and we can get we can get there but mm-hmm. um we can talk about that certainly can we talk about I want to go a little more into what would like if someone's in a relationship right now and they maybe they haven't read anything about attachment styles yes what are some things that you have seen specifically whether it's from clients mm-hmm. or in your own relationships with friends what you've seen from other friends yeah. what have you seen a avoidant partner how are they acting like what are some things that maybe they're saying or doing or mm, or not doing exactly so in terms of avoidant it's oftentimes what they're not doing Mm -hmm. so that's not to say that just because you're in a secure attachment style place that you don't need validation right we all need that from our partners that's so so important but unfortunately if you're an anxious attachment style person, you need that more to feel safe and secure in the relationship. Mm -hmm. An avoidant person is not going to be able to give that to you because, um, lots of different reasons for that individual, but fear, Mm -hmm. um, maybe they don't have desire to give that to you. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were never given that. Right. Yeah. They don't think it's important. Right. They're like, why do you need compliments? Why do you need, but it's not, Oh, Hey, you need to tell me I look pretty. It's Hey, just, make it known that there's an effort Mm -hmm. in a way. So this person is maybe not giving compliments. Maybe they are doing the bare minimum for Mm -hmm. maybe it's your birthday and they like don't write you a card and all you really wanted was a card. Or maybe do you think that this person is even getting to know their love languages? Like what? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So totally probably missing the mark on, on the love language area, Mm -hmm. but also just simply like existing with that person. Yeah. Like, living with that person. I don't mean in the same space, but living life with that person. Mm -hmm. So, um, going on adventures, creating mystery, going for walks, having intimate conversations, Mm -hmm. being intimate with that person, Mm -hmm. um, telling that person that they care about them, getting to know what their patterns are, what their habits are. Yeah. Like being Um, vulnerable in any sense. Vulnerable. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And so, when you, if, if you are in, and I feel like this is pretty common mm. to be anxious with a, secu- with a, hello, with a avoidant, avoidant. Mm-hmm. let's say that this is the case and you're starting to realize maybe you're seven months in, eight months in, whatever a year, it could be two years. You're with this person and you realize my partner is avoidant yeah. and I'm getting insecure because of it and anxious mm-hmm. from that. What are some steps? Because when someone's avoidant, it's hard to, it's hard to let them let you in. Oh my goodness. So how are you supposed to even break down those barriers in order to have a conversation about your needs without them taking it personally? Right. So I love this topic and this question, Eliza, because it is constantly showing up in the room, right? So if you're questioning that, if that is sort of um, like a gut feeling, Mm -hmm you are saying that my desire is probably to move a little bit closer to a secure attachment style, Mm -hmm. right? And also maybe this person can't necessarily give me what I need, Mm -hmm. but I'm actually not so sure what my needs are. Yeah. So I think the first step is to identify what your relationship patterns are. Mm -hmm. You can do this on your own. You don't need to be in therapy to do this, but think about- And you don't need to do it with your partner necessarily. No, 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 no. This is all self-reflection. Okay. So- if your desire is to move a little bit closer to a secure attachment and once you get there, you decide, okay, maybe this relationship isn't for me or maybe we can make some changes and it can be and this other sure. partner is going to do some other work, right? But for self, identify what your relationship patterns are. So 
think about your relationship with your caregiver as a child. Um, how were they towards you as a child? How did you respond to them? Who did you go for comfort when you had a problem? Mm. Um, were they negligent or were they reliable? So ask yourself these questions about these patterns and also patterns of relationships that you have had with other men or women, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Romantic relationships. So what did these relationships look like? How was I responding to their behaviors? What did I um, do in this relationship? How did I act in this relationship? Mm -hmm. And what were my patterns and maybe as a child and also as an adult? Mm. So essentially so, it's get, you can almost get yourself to a secure place within you to then see if this is going to move forward in the right direction. Yeah. So there's a, definitely that's the goal, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a couple, a couple other things that you can do to get there. I think sure. the first space is to identify what the patterns are in your relationships Got it. and then work on self-esteem. Yeah. So changing self-talk, understanding your self-worth, understanding your values. So individuals that are really secure in their relationships have really, really high self-worth and high self-esteem. Mm -hmm. So I certainly would encourage that. The next thing would be to get in touch with your real needs. Mm -hmm. So learn to be assertive, um, set your boundaries, honor what you feel, mm -hmm. express what your needs are in words without any hidden meetings or manipulation. Yeah. Right. So what is being very direct? What are my needs? Mm -hmm. Um, securely attached people are really able to confront situations in a very healthy way mm -hmm. and um, a meaningful way mm -hmm. and are very direct and appropriate. So identifying what your needs are and maybe what your non-negotiables are. Because those are two different things. Yes. Those are two very different things. I think a lot of people are like, but he does, or that, that person, my partner does want to have kids. They do want to get married someday. But that's, is that the only two values that you have in line? And then your daily needs aren't met? You know, I feel like so many sure. people miss the mark on the daily needs. For sure. And I think also values and needs are very different as well, right? Yeah. So what we value in life um, can be similar to what our daily needs are, mm -hmm. but maybe not exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So our values are sort of what make us tick, what give us purpose, what mm -hmm. um, fulfill us, yeah. right? And also consists of some of our needs. So. Mm -hmm. For you, Eliza, some of your needs are like adventure. Some of your needs are connection. Mm -hmm. Some of your needs are um, intimate relationships, mm -hmm. intense conversation, deep yeah. conversation, right? Those are some of your needs and also your values. So if you're not True. getting that from your person, that's probably not your favorite relationship, is it? It's true. Mm -hmm. It's true. And I will say, because I'm obviously a human guinea pig and I tell everyone everything on the podcast yeah. that there was a period in a relationship that I was in where I would just be, and this is kind of pivoting to the next little part, sure. but I was so unaware of how much I was bitching to my friends about mm. the problem I was having because he was very avoidant or, or he seemed very avoidant, mm -hmm. but I was anxious to a point where I didn't realize that he was actually extremely secure and a little avoidant, but extremely secure. Mm -hmm. I never felt neglected in the relationship, but I was so anxious that anything other than compliments every five seconds was just not, wow. you know, not for me. So I was like, wait a second. He's just, he's not changing for anyone, but he's so strong in his values that I almost was blinded by that. And you know, to the, we, and so we communicated more about that where I said, look, I don't understand you because you're so different from mm. me. 
but we just communicated differently. And I think that was a big part of it where I started to actually see how he was representing the way he cared about me instead of expecting it to be in the way that I envisioned it to be. Wow. You know, I was like, whoa, growth spurt. (laughs) Tremendous growth. And it sounds like you shifted some expectations. Yeah. A little bit. Well, I didn't, I didn't lower them. I just, I just moved. I just, I reshaped them a little bit. Oh, I love that. But without settling, we were talking about this before Mm -hmm. and it felt in the moment, I was like, wait a second, am I settling for this? But then I realized that I'm not. It's just what a relationship is. Mm. Um, It's writing a story and editing it and rewriting it and editing it. So many sloppy copies. So many copies, so many drafts, so many edits. And I think, um, yeah, this is totally segueing and kind of transitioning, but I think sometimes we are seeking some sort of perfection sure. in relationships and our significant another. And sometimes we think, okay, if these things aren't being met or this person isn't um, being the way I need them to be, and let me rephrase that, this person isn't doing the things that I want them to do or being the person exactly I want them to yeah. be, they're not made for me or they're not my soulmate. Mm-hmm. When maybe not necessarily true, there's going to be someone else that you can certainly be with. Absolutely. But there will be other things that you feel the same way about that person, right? Yeah. Maybe not the exact same things, but yeah. no person is ideal in perfection, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think you could probably say some things about every individual that you're with that maybe you didn't like. Sure. I mean, there are a million things about Jake that I'm like, I just wish I would just just kick him in the balls of every course. single day. But he w- he could say the same thing about me. Exactly. And then at the end of the day, we come together and we can laugh about those things Certainly. sometimes. But that brings me to our next point that is, quote unquote, the perfect relationship. I said, Morgan, <laughs> on the podcast, just let me know what has been coming up so often in this room and you were like the perfect relationship does not exist Mm -hmm. and I know that that seems cliche to say but what are some things that you're hearing in the room that are sparking that conversation of people expecting the perfect partner yeah we've there's been a lot of um just conversations about dating and finding the one right um And I think in a good way, there's so much accessibility. Our sea of individuals that we can choose from is astronomical. So that's a really lovely thing, but that's also um, something that can cause massive uncertainty Mm -hmm. in the choices that we have to make when we have such this sea of possibilities, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is crippling. It's over fucking whelming. Overwhelming. It's crippling. So... There's absolutely no certainty that we are going to choose the one. Mm-hmm. There's no solution to that. There's no solution to this uncertainty. Mm-hmm. It's something that we have to exist with. So we're not guaranteed that someone is going to remain who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. People change. Um, and there's also no guarantee that this is your person when you decide that it is your person, right? Whether that's committing to a relationship engagement, marriage, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. people change. Relationships are very uncertain. Mm -hmm. That is the one thing that is certain. You're dealing with the most unpredictable thing in the world, which is another human being. Absolutely. And something that I love so much that Esther Peril says, Mm -hmm. uh, I think right now we have shifted relationships. Our person, we have this idea that our one person is expected to be our entire village. Mm. And they can't be. 
Yeah. They really cannot be. So this person is supposed to be um, our trusted confidant, our sexual partner, the person that gives us security, the person that we go on adventure with, the person that makes us laugh, the person mm-hmm. that, that supports us, us down financially. Earth, like everything. Yes, everything. Um, and that's just a wildly unrealistic expectation. Mm-hmm. Not that that is a a very kind of set as a very heavy burden to put yeah. on someone. So I think we have sort of shifted into this expectation that there is a, a perfect human and it simply doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. That one individual cannot be our village. That's why we have friends and parents and therapists and community. mentors and community and gyms, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to sort of shift our idea about what our person means to us and what we mean to our person. Mm-hmm. Um and you really do have to choose. It sounds so cheesy, but you do have to choose that person because if you have someone telling you, giving you advice all the time, telling you, okay, you need to go to the gym this many times, you need to eat this during the day, you need to read this book, do all these things, then you're less, it's less desirable oh my to goodness. do. Absolutely. But when you realize, oh, I'm going to start this journey, I'm going to read these books, I've been reading more books, I've been. Uh, walking more and getting more out in nature, eating healthier, then it feels much better when you have selected to do that on your own. Yeah. When when you're not stripped of the power, basically. Yes, you know? Of course. So when we exist in relationships, there's no concept of ownership. Yeah. That's exactly what you're saying. We don't own someone. Mm-hmm. The foundation of the relationship is trust Mm -hmm. on my goodness every single level I'm not simply talking about infidelity I'm talking about trust to exist as a human and be able to thrive and prosper Mm -hmm. and go to the gym on your own yeah take care of yourself take care of yourself right so yeah we don't have ownership over our partner and our partner doesn't certainly doesn't have ownership over us Mm. there has to be a sense of freedom and mystery yeah in the relationship I like that and I think mystery is a better word, a better way to say it. I was listening to something, and this was years ago, where someone was like, I like a little bit of insecurity in my relationships. And I just thought that that was not maybe a great way to say it. Yes. But I, I understand what they mean, where it's, you know, you go to the bar, you see your person talking to another person. And in the past, <laughs> I used to be like, lunge like a tiger or sure. ret- retreat and cry, sure. be like, I'm not good enough. Uh-huh. But now I'm like, that's right. Like yeah, that's, that's a my flattering. man. I'm yeah. like, thank you, and then I'll go up and like <laughs> squeeze his butt. It's just a, it's a dynamic that is fun to have in relationships. That's so healthy. It's so healthy, mm-hmm. and it's, anyways. Also, <laughs> I've never met anyone that I trust, especially in re- the relationship, as much as the one I'm in now. Because oh. I, he, I feel like he could be in a room with 25 Playboy bunnies in a bed with them, and he would just be like, "Well, I got." A new hunting rifle. You know, he's not, <laughs> there's no, it would not be like that, which is great. Uh, and I feel really lucky that mm-hmm. we have found each other and we continue to choose each Certainly. other. And okay. So we talked about finding the perfect relationship. It just doesn't exist. It, mm-hmm. Of course there's desirables and things that you are non-negotiables, yeah, but your person it, works for you. Mm-hmm. They're not perfect. They're not the one mm-hmm. because at different moments, in life, this might be, um, you know, bursting bubbles or people might uh, not necessarily agree with my perspective on this, of course. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, at different moments, different people could serve you, right? Hell different people yeah. could be your people. So you choose, you're making a choice, right? 
to make things work and like I said rewrite and edit the story with your person Mm -hmm. and that person is not perfect and neither are you I feel like a lot of times yeah I feel like a lot like get off your fucking high horse (laughs) but I feel like oftentimes when we hear about infidelity it's because you have this amazing spark with someone who made you feel like you've never felt before whatever Mm -hmm. it is and then you realize I think that we have to realize that that spark is so temporary the same way it was with the person that you're with right now you know it was so hot and amazing in the beginning but then it it developed into something different where that that spark maybe wasn't sustainable but it Mm -hmm. got even deeper and better absolutely so it was no longer a spark it was like a big slow burning flame that lasted all night type of situation and when we think about cheating or infidelity of any sort whether it's emotional maybe you're just dming or like you your guy downloaded fucking OnlyFans or something (laughs) but it's it's knowing that that spark will go away yeah so it's all about that instant gratification that people want exactly Liza the the tough thing about infidelity is yeah it's it's shitty it's, it's so painful incredibly painful um suffocating but yeah. the infidelity is not about you the infidelity is about that individual and something that they needed to explore a mm-hmm. piece of them that was missing mm-hmm. something that they were searching for mm-hmm. um and that might be something that's missing in the relationship but not always not always so I believe that infidelity can be repaired yes it's a very difficult thing of course if and also if both people want that, but it's not, it's true. If sin. both people want to fix yes. it. Yes. But, mm. um, yeah. It's what do you think? Painful. What do you think about infidelity that has happened multiple times? What if you had mm. a best friend who was in a relationship for six, six years and everything was amazing. And this guy slipped up once in the beginning or once in like after two years of dating and then once after four years of dating and there's still a little, obviously there's going to be something underlying because it mm. happened twice. What do you say about infidelity happening twice in different instances Mm. um I don't necessarily agree with like once a cheater always a cheater yeah definitely not I think if that person has desire to stop or change or um find another way to uh fill the void of whatever it is that's missing or whatever he or she is searching for in these other relationships Mm -hmm. then I think it can be mended um, if that person does not want that, then probably not. But how do you, I mean, anyone, oftentimes people mm-hmm. are going to say, oh, well, of course, of course I want to be with you. I'm so sorry. I'll never do anything like this again. Mm-hmm. I want to get better. Maybe they start going to therapy. Maybe they start going and doing all this self-development or personal development. But then two years later, they still cheat. It happens again. I know. That's where I'm like, honestly... It's causing too much emotional turmoil. It, yeah, like that might be too difficult for the other person to handle, right? And how can you yeah. establish that trust that, oh, I trusted that you were going to take care of yourself mm-hmm. and you didn't. I trusted in you healing yourself and you didn't. That's probably, sure. I mean, multiple My times goodness, probably twice would be, yeah, I think that would be wildly difficult to come back from and repair. That would be entirely up to the person that was cheated on, right? Sure. I want to pivot. Yes. We talked about this earlier, how there is so much pressure. I was just reading an Instagram Mm -hmm. caption earlier uh, about this girl. She's 33. She Mm -hmm. was on it. I don't know who she is. I literally, she was on the explore page and I was clearly making great use of my time. And she was talking about how she no longer, she doesn't know what to do anymore because she's 
she feels so good. She feels happy, but she's 33. She doesn't have a boyfriend. She doesn't have kids. People are telling her that it's too, like, it's getting to be time for her to work on having kids Mm -hmm. or it's getting too late. And then on the other end of things, there are people saying, stay single, work on yourself. So it's like we can't win. People need to work on their self and get happy before personally before they get into a relationship but then other people are rushing them so how do you help people put blinders on and stay in their own lane with Mm. their own happiness yeah you're absolutely right Eliza I think there's um like you said there's sort of like no winning in this topic because there's so much outside noise about the ability for self-growth and for um understanding self when you're single right particularly in your 30s and then also the noise about biological clocks and freezing your eggs and all of those, you know, all that good stuff. So I certainly can't speak to that piece on um, a medical level in terms of like freezing your eggs, sure. but I hear it, right? That noise is really loud in terms of um, like feeling the pressure from other people around you, the internet, etc. But I do think that First and foremost, if you're going to be single, if you're going to stay in your lane in that area and you like have desire to continue to do that, I would encourage you to heal your wounds, mm-hmm. number one. So this is going to prevent you from repeating behaviors in future relationships with self, um, understanding yourself, knowing your needs, your non-negotiables, what you will tolerate, what you won't tolerate. I think healing your wounds is probably my biggest piece of advice if you are in your 30s and staying in that lane Mm -hmm. um there is no there is no handbook yeah for where we are supposed to be and when Mm -hmm. things are changing things are more progressive people are having children at all different ages at this point sure people are getting married at all different ages people are getting divorced at all different ages Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean I think after my divorce, my timeline, my idea of what life was going to look like was absolutely rocked. Mm-hmm. And the best way for me to have handled that certainly was, you know, going to therapy. Sure. Um, but also knowing that this is completely out of my control. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely no control over finding my person. I have absolutely no control over when I'm going to have children mm-hmm. um, or what my life is going to look like tomorrow. How old were you when you met your ex-husband? 18. You were 18 when you met him. Mm -hmm. How old were you when you got married? 25. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you have really gone through it. You have been through it at a young age. Mm -hmm. Okay. So did your attachment styles change throughout that relationship? Or were they like that Mm -hmm. the whole time and you would finally, like, I mean... There's only so lo- so much you can choose someone when someone something is going sure. wrong. Sure. Yeah. I think um, we both grew in different directions, I think. Mm-hmm. I would say my attachment style certainly changed after the relationship. I did a lot of, lot of work in that area. Yeah. Yeah. Do you to think it went from anxious to secure? Yes. Because I was going to say you're extreme. You, you present extremely Thank secure. You. Thank you. That took a lot of work, right? Of course. Um, but yeah, I certainly think that that shifted and changed quite a bit after the relationship. And I was very intentional about that. Yeah. Very intentional about that. But um, a biggest piece, not the biggest piece, but a very big piece of that was certainly feeling like uh, I had failed. Mm. Not only in this marriage, but also, um, this idea of what my life was going to look like Mm. and was supposed to look like 
when you were thinking, oh, I'll have kids at 27. Yeah. It'll be perfect. Oh, yeah. All these things. Yeah. I, um, you know, envisioned myself having kids by 30 and I woke up divorced at 29. So, yeah, yeah, yeah things were definitely shifted and changed. And that took time. There, there was a grieving process there. Sure. And there's also a grieving process for women that are single. It's an arbitrary grief. Mm. So it's a grief that we don't necessarily acknowledge or see, but it is daily. So if you're listening, please know that Eliza and I are acknowledging and also other people that are experiencing the same thing mm-hmm. are, are grieving sort of this life that you maybe expected or plan or have desire for that sure. you don't have control over mm-hmm. grasping or changing. Yeah. And Okay, and I don't mean to make this all about no, what the relationship, but I am curious when totally you fine. so you you ended up having your divorce mm-hmm. and then you did a lot of healing and you were intentional about mm-hmm. the the grieving process and really leaning into it. When you met your current partner, mm-hmm. what was that situation like? Were you on apps? Were you how are you <laughs> handling apps? Did you meet him at a bar when you were like coyote uglying? What is happening? <laughs> um so no, I was not on apps. Um I Cause I feel like that's rare because a lot of people yes, are on apps. Yes. And both ways are so lovely and so productive. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be a bit more organic for me. I was introduced to him through a friend. Got it. Um, was it like, Hey, I want you to go on a date with this person or just no, we're out? He, we were out. He happened to be in the same space as me and the friend that I was with introduced me to him and it just sort of happens very organically, which is really, really lovely. And the relationship has progressed tremendously. There has been work inside of the relationship that both he and I have done to ensure that it's at the space where we are now. Mm-hmm. So I had to continue my work, right? Um, also, not only if I want to serve my clients appropriately, I need to walk the walk. I can't just talk the talk. And also, if I wanted to be as healthy as possible in the relationship and for him to be as health- healthy as possible in the mm-hmm. relationship, I certainly came in with some stuff right some baggage and um he's so lovely and was was so supportive and willing to to work with that oh my god he's such an angel I just love him and yeah it was some it was some work did you okay so (laughs) let's say someone's in a relationship and they are they've come with baggage and they they don't want to waste time Mm -hmm. they're like hey look I'm I'm 29 30 early 30s however old you are sure I'm coming into a relationship and you don't want to come off so hot that you're like okay you're this or that, right. get out. Right. You don't want to come off being judgmental, but you, and you want to get to know people because they're not going to, maybe they won't open up immediately. Of course. Can you talk about yeah. how it's going to look when you're getting back into a relationship? You know, your hard boundaries, you mm-hmm. know what you're looking out for, mm-hmm. but you also want to enjoy it. Yes. A oh my gosh. That's so great. So I think at this point in the age of, of thirties, late twenties, your pool of people is probably people that have already been in serious relationships are possibly have been married and divorced, possibly also have children, Mm -hmm. right? So that's the pool that's existing or they're, they're single, but majority of these people are a bit older and have some of those life experiences. Mm -hmm. So every single person, majority of people that you are going to encounter or go on dates with will come and show up with some sort of life experience. We don't have to call it baggage necessarily, but life experience. So my hopes 
is that those people have healed from those experiences. And that's what I would encourage you to look for, right? Mm. Not that these people don't have any like hard life shit. Sure. No. That gives them depth yeah. and stories to tell. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. But that they have done some healing. And that doesn't necessarily mean that this person has gone to therapy, but that would be an added bonus. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that that person has done some inner work or has done some healing in the areas that they've struggled with sure. or, or gone through. And is so, self-aware. Yes. Self-aware. So maybe that person is an excellent communicator. I think directness is probably top non-negotiable for me, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if an indi- we're past the point of games, sure. we're adults, we should date like an adult. Yeah. So I think directness is a very admirable quality and from both men and women. So if you're attracted to someone, ladies, text him. That's okay, right? It's mm-hmm. appropriate to be direct and to... to um, express how you're feeling be vulnerable with that person so texting first saying hey oh oh my god it was so amazing to meet you let's hang out tomorrow absolutely okay okay 110 percent. i have some people that i know their palms are sweating they're just like oh well but because you want that validation of someone texting you first of course you do but do you think that the other human does too good point good point they can still hold the car door open for you if you text them first yeah i think chivalry and tradition can go both ways right but yes we have desire for that like lots of women have desire for that traditional um the man seeking them out Mm -hmm. or yeah but I do think that that's really appropriate to be direct and communicate with someone what you want yeah and what you desire and being vulnerable is um at the crux of every relationship okay and if you get rejected that's okay. You're yeah. at the point in your life, I hope, where yes, rejection hurts, it stings a bit, but you're going to be okay. Yeah. That's and not your person. I think that if we got rid of all the outside noise and social media, and I'm, next month I'm doing a social media cleanse, Amazing. like I'm not doing it. Amazing. Oh, I'm, I can't wait to hear how you I feel. I am truly so excited. <laughs> I feel like I'm just such a shell of a person the more time I spend on mm-hmm. social media, but it's it comes with the territory. I just yes. need boundaries. I bet. Um, but getting rid of things that don't make you present and that make you compare is so monumental for self growth. I've noticed. And I want to take a hard left. I want to take a hard pivot and talk about, sure. Um, okay. I'm going to give you a scenario. Okay. Let's say Logan and Tanner trying to have gender neutral names. (laughs) Logan and Tanner are in a relationship. They're committed. It's been, let's say a year and a half. And they live together. They just moved in at the one-year mark. Mm-hmm. And sex life is completely boring or not happening at all. Mm. Maybe they're having sex every, I, I don't know, like a couple, maybe once or twice a month. And maybe one person is unsatisfied. The other person is oblivious. Mm. But every time you try and, let's say they've tried to talk about it and it's just not it's not going in the way that they want it to Mm -hmm. or one person is wanting it to, but the other person's like, this is fine. What are you talking about? Mm. Indifference is hard. And I had a conversation with this about this with someone the other day. And I was like, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. So, well, I think first and foremost is asking like what each partner's um, expectations are for sex Mm -hmm. and what their desires are for sex. Sure. Right. So one might be, perfectly okay with two days a month the other doesn't sound like is right sure so 
and and why mm-hmm. why that's there mm-hmm. have they explored um doing it more right yeah more sex what what that feels like for the partner that is okay with um the, just the, having a few times yeah. a month, right so and the other thing is is the lack of um eroticism mm-hmm. right so there's there's sex mm-hmm. and then there's eroticism good point yeah because you can like so, just put anything anywhere and it can be considered sex <laughs> yeah and eroticism um includes like mysterious foreplay and mm-hmm. um not planned or uh in the same space or uh it's behind corners it's mysterious yeah. it's um sneaky right? okay so love that that's the element of eroticism that all relationships have to have mm-hmm. we are mammals Mm-hmm. We have to have a sense of um, seeking out, mm-hmm. of mystery, of adventure, mm-hmm. and that has to exist in a sexual nature. Okay, so these two people are working from home together, mm. and they maybe they have a kid. So what what would your advice be to let's just say a woman because I'm a woman, you're yeah. a woman. What would your advice be to a woman who's trying to turn up the love on? Let's say like any Thursday. It's Thursday today. Um, Working from home. Role play, maybe. Um, Do they send like a dirty uh, <laughs> ping on social or uh, whatever? <laughs> I was going to say instant messenger because sure. I'm 100. And they're like, hey, meet me in the boardroom at two. Yeah. Kind of thing. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Um, maybe, obviously, this is a different scenario, but like book a hotel room, you know, like Love do that. it in a different space love that so much yeah also I have come to find it was actually an interesting find that Mm. some people are night sex people some people are morning or daytime sex people and I think that if you eliminate those first two options you're like maybe you're not going to get it as much but then if you have the midday type of situation sex doesn't have to be saved for 11 o'clock at night no and honestly we're all bloated by then it's just not the same (laughs) it is not the same truth (laughs) it's like no thanks babe and and everyone's tired and honest to god now everyone has all these apparatuses that they sleep with people are on either melatonin maybe they've got their nose strips maybe they're taping their mouth and like that's not sexy preach and i i want to get in bed with my devices and my like night creams on sleep is vital (laughs) sleep is vital like i don't need anything now on my silk pillowcases okay <laughs> I was just curious about your thoughts there yeah, because I feel like I do hear a lot of people mm. uh, they don't say this but it could be what if they're seeking validation through sex maybe they're not getting intimacy in conversation maybe they're not getting intimacy in uh, uh maybe some of their other needs aren't met so they're filling in absolutely. through that validation absolutely uh, which is challenging mm-hmm. and so again I guess communication is just everything Everything, Eliza. Mm-hmm. Communication is everything, and it works both ways. And if you're scared to tell your partner that this is a problem, maybe that's another problem. Absolutely. Oh know? my goodness, that is absolutely a problem. Because it's hard to keep bringing something up that's a problem if you know they're going to react with aggression or disdain of any so- any sort. Yeah, and oftentimes arguments within couples is not the actual context of the argument. It's typically the cycle of the argument. Sure. Good point. So my goodness, I would encourage, highly encourage couples therapy if that's the 
it's typically it is typically the case it's Got not it. the context of what you guys are arguing about it's the cycle of the argument mm-hmm. um where one person both people are feeling specific emotions that are really deep rooted and mm-hmm. so that's why they're eliciting the responses they're eliciting mm. not at all because of the context of the conversation yeah got it so got that it. definitely is important to explore in a relationship so basically everyone just needs to communicate and if that's not going well then get therapy <laughs> before 100%. you try it. I think that I mean it's it's nice now that everyone gets to therapy I feel like therapy is just like the new the new happy hour be like yeah I have therapy <laughs> at one you know it's just it's gotten so nice especially with all the online platforms Truly, of therapy how fortunate are we to have so much accessibility to mm-hmm. so many um mental health experts and um resources it's amazing so many it's amazing it is amazing and the other thing on communication it, it needs to be neutral positive and negative so neutral conversation neutral c- communication that's not heightened mm-hmm. Um, positive conversation that is maybe compliments, et cetera, or appreciation. And then also maybe some things that there are frustrations existing between the two people. Mm-hmm. So it all has to be communicated, not just the bad shit. Well, is there anything else that you have seen in the room recently that you feel is important to bring mm-hmm. up for men or women, mostly women who are listening. Yeah. I just think, um, constant work on Mm self-worth, constant work on self-esteem and who you are and what your values are. And that those are shifting, right? Our values and needs shift as Mm -hmm. we get older, as we have different experiences, but also that they are the core of who you are and that those shouldn't be rocked. No one should be able to strip those from you or, um, take those away from you Mm -hmm. so as long as you are really understanding your self-worth and and working to enhance that about yourself and your self-esteem um I think that you can shift really really close to a secure relationship style I love that and that's my desire obviously for all my clients that we're working on that if we're working on that that's my desire for them and that's their desire their goal to Mm -hmm. to shift towards that secure relationship with themselves and also with others, right? I like to hear that kind of feedback because it's it's more than just positive affirmations. Oh my God. I'm like, those are nice. They're awesome. Yeah. Thank you. But it's like a little compliment. And again, it's not sinking deep mm-hmm. necessarily. I think it's more about meditation and therapy and journaling and, but getting like the right journal prompts and asking the tough questions yeah. and anyways I think that that's and hopefully where we're going sure I hope so Mm -hmm. and ask yourself like what do I want to be about Mm -hmm. what do I how do I want to show up Mm -hmm. in where my values exist like what do I want to be about in my in my life and if that's um for some family for some adventure for some exploration Mm -hmm. for some religion for some loyalty Okay. Service. Thank you so much for all your wisdom. It's such an honor being on here. Oh, truly. I think, you know, what you're doing is just incredible. I agree. Your well, not I agree. Booming. I agree. You should you. be agreeing. That's what I'm talking about. No, Self-esteem. I, it's sky high. I meant you. <laughs> I, I believe that you are also booming. And I was saying, I'll put all of the information in the show notes so that they can just click and email if they need to. But everyone check Morgan out. She is fantastic. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. We will talk to you next Thursday.
I know you absolutely loved that episode with Morgan. She is a dream. Remember to check out Welcoming Wellness. They are taking on new clients. Also, since you are still listening in a couple of days on May 1st, one, the Clarity Challenge begins. And if you know, you know. And two, the May monthly meal plan on my website is live. And this month we are focusing on gut health. I'm so excited. The audio recording for this one is fire. We go through so many tips and tricks and tools and why it's so important to fix the gut. What are some reasons why the gut might be fucked up? And what are some ways to tell if yours is right now? And the whole monthly meal plan uh, is chock full of recipes that specifically target gut health and healing. I'm so thrilled for you all to start optimizing your gut. Just go onto my website, click monthly meal plan, and you will get all of that good stuff on May 1st. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week. Like, share, subscribe, screenshot that you listen to this episode and tag hotter than health. Tag all of your people. Tag, send it everywhere. You know, we're trying to grow this thing. All right. I will talk to you next Thursday.